He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. Hospitality means putting other people's needs above our own and delivering great experiences, whether somebody's on vacation or on a business trip and taking care of the basics, but also looking to surprise them and delight them in their stay with us. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. In hotels and vacation rentals, the top complaints or issues are noise, garbage, and parking. I may not be able to solve all of your parking and garbage problems, but I could definitely help with your noise problems. And that actually might just help your garbage and parking problems too. So NoiseAware is the only 100% privacy safe noise monitoring solution that property managers and owners can use in order to ensure they avoid parties and other issues happening at their property. You won't get notified when a plate breaks, but if you have a little quiet get together that kind of gets out of hand like this, then NoiseAware will give you the peace of mind to ensure that you and your property, and of course, your profits, are protected. So use my code SLICKTALK20 to get 20% off of all noise monitoring devices and focus on the other important things that help you run your business. Now, thank you for checking out Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Get back to the episode. and Don't forget to check out NoiseAware while you're listening. All right, everybody, welcome back to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and uh, I know I've been getting used to saying the same phrase over and over again. If you're listening to the show, it's another great day. It's another great week because we have another great guest. So get ready because we're diving in to learn more about Vector Travels and what they do, what they do in the industry, the certain unique model that they have going on. And joining me today on the show is Mickey Crops who is the co-founder and CEO. So I'm really excited to have you on, Mickey, and thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you, Will. Excited to be here. Yes. Well, uh, I think to give uh, the audience a little bit of a background, the first time I really got to meet you, kind of meet you, more like see you, but uh, was uh, through the Return on Rentals event hosted by NoiseAware and uh, getting to learn more about your business and how it all started. Uh, But when I was hearing you talk about that, um, I was like, dang, this would be a really good episode. And uh, figured uh, after we both were super busy and everyone was kind of just trying to get back on their feet from COVID, uh, now was a great time to have you on the show. So if you don't mind, let's just jump right in and tell us a little bit about your background, how you got to where you are today. Sure. So I was a, um, it was a, a baseball player uh, that opened some doors for me. I got to go to a really good college and uh, then washed out of, of minor league baseball relatively quickly and had to decide what the heck do I want to do with my time now? Uh, something that used to take six, eight hours of my day uh, was gone and I needed something to fill, fill that void. And um, I actually gravitated towards real estate pretty quickly. Uh, I had an older brother that was working in it in development. And I think it was partly born out of the fact that I didn't know what I wanted to do, that real estate was so appealing because there were so many different facets to it. Um, even, even in development, which is where I started and, and kind of spent my 20s, there's everything from the idea around the development, uh, then there's you know the design, then there's the financing component, um, 
Then there's the actual construction element where you get a physical product at the end of the day. And then whatever your business plan is, but you've got to monetize it some way, whether it's selling or leasing. And, uh, and that was really appealing to me. And, and I really just spent my time in my 20s and, until about age 30 cycling through different commercial real estate primarily, but usually a residential component, uh, development jobs. And then one of those jobs was, was commercial real estate um, uh, financing. So mortgage banking within commercial real estate. And we underwrote hotel deals. And honestly, that that's where all of this comes from, uh, was was going back to 2012. My co-founder at rented.com, which or what would become rented, called me up friend of mine from college, Andrew McConnell, and said, hey, I have this idea for a marketplace, short-term rentals. We'll have managers compete to manage the inventory. They'll have to purchase the rental rights, essentially, was, was what we uh, cooked up. They were leasing the units, right? <laughs> but, uh, but that's what we came up with. And, uh, and that launched me on this journey. And uh, you know, back in 2018, I, I left Rinnan.com to co-found Vector Travel, mostly because we saw a gap in the market. We saw... Um, Within the apartment industry, nobody was doing what what Vector now does, and uh, here we are three years later. Thankfully, yeah, thankfully, seriously, and that's a that's a big uh, statement, especially because of the last crazy year that we've all been going through. So I think it's really cool, and it tests like the overall model because you guys are a revenue share model versus a master lease, uh, which I found really interesting and really exciting because um, for so long we've been you know there's companies you know that are like Sonder or whatever that usually do like a master lease. Um, model and we saw a lot in the beginning of COVID not really make it through. Um, and now to, to show that it can be done on a rev share, a, like a proper rev share model um, <laughs> is, is really exciting. So uh, I wanted to dive into what uh, were the, the moments leading up to, I guess, creating this, knowing that it would be like the most sustainable way um, for you guys to continue as a company. Well, you know, I have to say at rented, we had a rented capital fund at some point and we were out there um, leasing units, essentially, you know, buying the rental rights. But, um, and, and some of that was in the apartment industry. And I realized then um, a few things. One, it was just so nascent, yeah. uh, the industry that the data was not necessarily reliable, even in bigger markets. Um, there wasn't great density of, of professional operators. So you're sort of doing swag guesses left and right on those things. And, uh, and you're, but you're having to put real money to work to learn basically, is yeah. this going to be a viable property um, that, you know, it's hyper local. So you got to get it right. You, you know, you could say it's this zip code, but if you're on the wrong side of the tracks, you're not walkable to this or whatever, you could really get that wrong in terms of your returns. Um, so it was just so early. And then, you know, really there were just uh, other concerns about the model in general. I think living it a little bit, you start to think it through and you say, all right, yeah. if we do this, then, and we are profitable. Doesn't that then invite competitors to do it? Not that there's anything wrong with competition, but given again, point one, that it's nascent, are we going to have the supply and demand kind of out of whack at any given moment? And oh, by the way, we're, we were doing whatever we were doing, 10, 20 units at a time, but already Sonder, <clears throat> Stay Alfred, Lyric probably, uh, you know, at least soon thereafter, they're taking down entire buildings yeah. or they're taking down half of a building. And, and so they're really moving the market at any given point. And then you're not, not to mention just arbitrage theoretically is supposed to go away over time for various mm -hmm. reasons. And so, so I just saw a lot of flaws there. Then when I put myself in the shoes of the real estate personnel, cause remember that's what I had been too. Yeah. You start thinking like, all right, we are getting these leases 
they're supposed to be safe, but really how safe are they? These are all still relatively early stage businesses. Um, and when you have that much exposure to any given tenant, well, that's kind of a problem. And that goes back to those commercial mortgage banking days, underwriting those deals and realizing that. And so I said, wait a second, even though there's nothing certain with a revenue share model, it is tried and true. This yeah. is how the entire vacation rental industry works. Um, we were always selling against that <laughs> essentially at rented at, back in those days, but, uh, and trying to, to show them the other way, but, but that is how it's functioned. It's, it's been, it's been around for hundreds of years. It's a proven model. That's how hotel management works. It's even how long-term rental management works within the apartment industry. So yeah. we, I don't know, we didn't know if it would work in terms of, uh, adoption by the multifamily industry, but we knew the model worked. And, and so we just set about building it. Yeah, no, it's definitely a, like the, the proof of concept is already there. The wheel is already working. Why change it when it, you know, if it's not broken, why fix it? Right. Right. So I, right. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, and so I guess that definitely opens up the door in the conversation of what was with getting into the apartment building and the multifamily space, um, introducing this rev share model compared to what they're normally used to seeing with corporate companies coming in and just owning these leases and giving them these long-term, like either, you know, two or three year leases locked in guaranteed all sorts of stuff. What was that battle like for you? Um, because I think this is one I'm hoping this is one, like you guys, the, the pioneers paving the way for a lot of other people uh, that can learn from what you guys are doing, because I, I think that, like you said, it's tried and true. So why, why mess with the model that's not broken? Well, yeah, but I guess I'd take it back to my baseball days as a position player where you fail more than, than you succeed. And even if you're, if, if you're great, you're doing that, you know, uh, three out of 10 times, right? Yeah. We've lost so many deals. We, we've lost, you know, so many opportunities from what I call stakeholders not at the table mm. because the model is different, because there's no lease, uh, because the set, you know, the, the payments that they're going to receive are not set. Even if they may be in excess of what the leases would be, yeah. it's it's still sort of a um, um, square peg round hole, if you will. Yeah. And, and so that's a, that's a constant challenge. And I don't know if we're ever going to change the multifamily industry in that regard. But what I can say is again, like you pointed out here, we are, you know, post pandemic, we're still standing. Some of those corporate lease, uh, you know, model short-term rental companies are not, but furthermore, the, the owners and property management companies that they leased from have been through that experience. So they've been through one major downturn. That one happened to be a pandemic, but the next one could be a, a depression or it could be something else um, that triggers it. And I think what they're seeing is, okay, this is a resilient model. I mean, um, I wish we were bigger than we were when, when the pandemic hit. So I have more of these success stories, but I do have a number of clients who, who you know, months into this said, Hey, you know, we had exposure to some of those lease ARP guys. And then we had you guys and you guys paid us on time every time, <laughs> you know, throughout the pandemic and things surged back for us generally may and then onward. I mean, yeah, ADR wasn't where we yeah. where it would have been or what we, where we wanted it, but we kept the money flowing and, and we kicked the can down the road until this year where things are great again. Yeah. And yeah, and that's the thing you make a really good point is that the cash flow is there because you have the flexibility to let it be there. You don't have all this, you know, high, you know, high already like entry level to get to, to, can you take, excuse me, to continue to operate. I yeah. almost had like a stroke there. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but I love that you're also talking about the, uh, uh, just the overall, like, I wish I had more successful stories to, to share with that, but I think it goes into the entrepreneur journey of, you know, this, that, that, 
you know, the iceberg analogy where it's uh, they what they see, what they don't see, like all the you know struggle, the hard work, the long the long nights that they know, all this other stuff versus the the uh, you know small mountain peak of success that that shows right. through and the years it takes to get there. Um, for you guys, I, I want to kind of like dive into your overall operations. How does that work with multifamily? Because I'm assuming you guys are taking in. Are you taking in ten units, twenty units? hundred units in at a building or are you guys spreading throughout the, a, a certain geographic and market? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think uh, being a little bit funny here, but we take what we can get. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's so, so our, our thing is, is it multifamily? It, ideally, is it a client we can scale with? And then do we, do we stay true to our model in terms of the deal that gets struck our management agreement? Um, and if it's those things, well, sorry. And a fourth thing would be, is it legal? You know, yeah. can we run these uh, as we want? Then, then we go anywhere. And so it's, it's a very client driven business at this point. Um, soon we're about to kind of turn our sights into penetrating some of the more successful markets that yeah. are regulatory um, wise, you know, kind of friendly to what we do. But but to date, I mean, we generally just find a way to say yes, and we try to set up the units really quickly, deliver value. Um, and again, our value is generally, let's turn your vacancy into uh, cash flow, um, whether it's a brand new building or a stabilized asset that, that just has some, some challenges. And, and we do that wherever is needed. Um, you know, our, our men's well, I guess I'll say our average unit count is, is in the 12 to 15 uh, unit range per multifamily building. Um, we, we also work a little bit outside of just pure apartments, uh, more destination markets. That's a little more dense and I think that's more understandable. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, going in there with that more of a flexible approach, <clears throat> focusing on their needs more so than ours, just saying, Hey, we're a tool, you know, we're, we're this, we're this, uh, we're an avenue to this income stream and yeah, you know, it's hospitality, it's transient, you know, there are the downsides to it. Um, but if you can get on board with those things, we do everything that we can to be a really good partner, have all of the best practices in place and, and we deliver. Yeah. Um, and, and we just make it a habit to do that every month. No, exactly. And I love that because there's a little bit of an educational part to it. Like, you know, I'm assuming since you're on the, you know, uh, return on rentals event that you guys use noise aware and oh, yeah. other stuff. So like you have these tools in place to kind of help ease that mindset of what if you get a bad guest? What if you get someone that trashes a place? What if you get, you know, noise complaints, whatever. Um, and so I never actually thought about it though. Cause like for me, I'm on the single family home side. Like, so always dealing with one-off homeowners or even a, maybe a small person who's you know got a, a nice business and they buy, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth home, uh, type deal. So rarely do I have, rarely do we have someone that has multiple units. It's usually one owner per unit, maybe one or two. Um, so you guys are dealing with corporations basically, or, or bigger, I, I guess, what would they be like more? Would they be corporations? Would they be individual? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, some of our clients now that we've had for, for multiple years are multi-billion dollar corporations and yeah. we're not one, right. And yeah. we're not, we're, we're bootstrapped. Um, we, we haven't raised, we, we don't intend to raise at least venture capital, um, you know, maybe we'll raise some other form of capital at, at some point here, but, uh, but yeah, that, that is different. And I think that is one of the benefits around what we do. We're sort of, I, I say it like we sell into scale on the, on the, um, on the supply side of our business. And, um, and yet, yeah, going back to the operation, given that we're only 2% or 5% of an asset or probably far less of an overall portfolio, 
it also, you know, you gotta, you gotta do it the other way too. It's like, well, how much does this income even matter to yeah. some of these, uh, you know, potential clients or corporations? And the answer is not very much. Um, so that means you gotta be really good operationally. You gotta have no BS, um, yeah. or, or when there's BS, cause there invariably is, I should say it this way. You've got to respond really well, um, and have, have all of the best practices in place, like a noise aware where you can go back and you can see, okay, was there a noise event and we missed it? Um, or no, maybe this is a false positive. Maybe this is a resident who just doesn't like this activity. We, you know, we use auto host for guest screening. Yeah. We have great liability coverage in case it all does hit the fan at some point and, uh, and 24 seven support. And, and yeah, we're doing, we're doing everything we can, um, you know, key cafe or, uh, or links, uh, yeah. for, for access. So that's, I mean, that's kind of the operational, um, guest facing, but also, you know, the, the things that matter to clients in terms of the operation. Oh, that's awesome. And that, that was actually my next question was kind of going into the operation standpoint of, um, if you're in these buildings and most of them either have like, you know, like the, I don't know what they're called, like the doorbell with controlled access buildings. Yeah. 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 Exactly. How do you guys manage around that with your own tech stack? Uh, do you have to kind of be pretty flexible with how you get those operated or, because those are can be pretty demanding if you have someone calling all the time, right? On the yeah, the- yeah. I mean, it just depends. But even even with links, um, you know, we can often solve for for some kind of an access code to the to the building or to the grounds, um, and then and then they'll just wayfind to their unit and get in with their own unique code. Otherwise, if it's like a you know a, the key cafe solution, we might put that somewhere where it's just. It's, it's covered, but accessible. Yeah. Uh, and there's almost always some place to do that, whether it's a lobby or I don't know, you know, a parking deck type scenario. That's not usually great for a signal, but, but yeah, we usually find a way. Yeah. That's interesting. As our slick talk listeners know, there's a lot of behind the scenes work that goes into preparing and maintaining short-term rental properties. That's where breezeway best in class property care and operations platform comes into play. Their easy-to-use tools help you automate, coordinate, and communicate detailed work at each of your properties so you can deliver the best experience to guests and homeowners. Breezeway integrates with over 30 PMS systems and IoT devices, meaning you can easily harness property data from your entire tech stack to build stronger programs for scheduling, quality assurance, guest texting, owner reporting, and much, much more. Visit breezeway.io forward slash slick to learn more. Now back to the episode. Um, what's it come down to on your guys' end having like multiple inventory in one building how, with revenue management? How do you guys handle that? Do you just treat that as one single room type or are they all pretty unique that you get to play around with certain rates and adjustments and length of stay and all that stuff? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's probably closer to how a hotel runs it. Um, so there'd be a room type, but but not, not typically to the point of like this one's view is east facing and this one's southeast facing. And yeah. is that going to result in any kind of difference in the rate? I mean, that'd be nice, but I, I, I don't think we're necessarily there. Um, I will say we're, we're there if we, if we can figure it out, if we yeah. have a historic trend and we, and we see, okay, there's the ability to capture five more bucks here than we will. Um, but yeah, it's, it's more around room type. And then uh, we have moved to more like clustered listings, even on Airbnb, mm. um, since that's been an opportunity for us. And, and that helps uh, just given our model that, that there's some, some density in the same building, but yeah, you know, the, the challenge being in some of those markets, you know, are there any comps, <laughs> you know, where do you, where do you price it? Um, do you have to look more towards the hotel industry? 
uh, if it's if it's a, a smaller you know tier three type market. Um, but again, you you figure that out and you kind of learn as you go. And and we take um, we take a real kind of incremental uh, improvement approach to everything we do, yeah. and including revenue and channel management. And if we're maybe it's there's something anomalous about a given market and maybe maybe booking.com is only 15% of bookings in most markets but maybe for some reason that one needs to be 50% and then we'll just pull the levers that we can to do that but uh but yeah I'd say every building gets its own sort of bespoke treatment and every floor plan does to a certain extent okay interesting um and I was going to ask like for with with all of that going on in, in the background, do you guys look at the hotel side of like inventory that on how it's fluctuating with events and other stuff like that? That's one thing I've always kind of found interesting for some single family home operators will totally pretty much ignore what hotels are doing. Cause the inventory is obviously a lot different. Um, but with the multifamily side, do you, do you guys do that or is that, uh, we, we do. Yeah. We, yeah. we try to track, um, you know, well, I mean, it's it's a strange time. It's still coming back, but but track local events in a market, <clears throat> track historical data uh, around that. You know, some, sometimes that's publicly available information through convention centers or um, just local kind of travel bureaus. Even chambers of commerce can, can put some of that out. Um, and then you know you do have to understand that the hotels are different. They've got a really robust group sales function typically and longstanding relationships. They may have the brand cachet that, you know, we don't yeah. at this point. Um, so we are a little more reliant on OTAs and direct bookings versus any kind of like B2B direct relationship um, or, or just being plugged in as a partner, corporate partner to some event. But, um, but yeah, we've also been surprised to see that our inventory is, you know, in demand. And I think, I think even, you know, single family home managers in the right markets would actually benefit from, from tracking that and then having some of those relationships in place as well. Yeah, definitely. And what markets are you in exactly? I, I, I don't think we actually kind of covered like the, the geographic location. Where, where do you guys mostly operate? Or are you pretty spread? Uh, yeah, we're, we're, I mean, we're in uh, about 30 markets now. Now um, it's not always a, a great presence in any given market, but yeah. um Texas probably has the most density, you know, like every major city we're in plus like Corpus Christi, for example. Mm. And uh, I think if you go back to the, the, the prior question, it, it makes some sense. Texas is pretty pro business and, yeah. and uh, generally pro short term rental. And, <laughs> and so we, we anticipate having a, a, a long term presence there. That's awesome. Well, uh, I want to get to more like the, the founder entrepreneurial questions for you because um not raising capital, not having like a, any kind of series a or any kind of raise at all for, for this being bootstrapped. What have been some of the really, I want to focus on the positive stuff, like the positive challenges that have helped you guys grow. Cause especially being in like 30 markets, um, I'm just, I'm thinking about the, you know, direct brand, the, the, you know, the direct booking type consumer, uh, type stuff. But what have you been guys like been realizing with your brand overall as you've been growing bootstrapped and learning these lessons and going through this, especially this crazy, you know, COVID-19 stuff going on with every, you know, closures and restrictions and lack of travel versus the boom of travel and all this stuff. I'm kind of curious to see what you guys are, are learning on a positive aspect rather than a negative one. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at, at one level, we sort of say this internally half joking, but we can do whatever we want. Um, so, you know, there isn't, <clears throat> there's no VC driven yeah. board, that's saying, Mickey, damn the pandemic, grow by 100% this quarter, right? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, we were able to say, 
all right, what's the most prudent thing to do? I mean, basically run it like a real business for mm -hmm. crying out loud, right? Um, think about, think about margin, think about protecting your, your staff. Think about, uh, <clears throat> you know, when the time comes growing again, relative to competition, but do it, do it in a, in a smart way, not just, um, you know, Hey, I've got 10 bets and one of them is going to be a hyper growth winner. And I don't really care about the rest of you mm -hmm. get out of my way. If you, if you are to fail. So I think that that is one of those things. Um, and so then that permeates the entire culture, in my opinion, yeah. that anybody feels like they can bring forth a new idea, a new process, uh, <clears throat> some new approach and more than likely we're going to try it. We're going to, we're going to find a way to, to give that outlet to, to the employees. And I think that that's a really fun thing about what we've been able to do here. And, um, and there's been a lot of trial and error over, you know, it feels you know, three years in a startup, you know, it's like probably nine years at a corporation. It's just things exactly. move quickly. You got to learn quickly. You got to, um, you know, try things and then kill things pretty quickly and then, and then do more of what works. Um, you know, I think, I think that that's probably the, the biggest and, and, and best thing about what we're doing. Um, and then, you know, we can set the values as we want to, to live on a daily basis. And so the way we've chosen to do that is to say um, things around incremental improvement, because I like that. Mm -hmm. I like reading new things and trying new things. And, and then I want to attract people that I want to work with. They also happen to, uh, to think like that. So, so we have this culture of, of getting better, just small incremental improvements, again, whether it's process or person um, or technology or whatever it is, but doing that on a, on a regular basis. And then you mentioned direct bookings. Well, that's one of the things that we're looking at right now. We have a you know, pretty small minority of our bookings come, come directly to us and we say, all right, let's, let's change that. And mm -hmm. so we're, we're trying different things right now. Um, I mean, one thing we definitely have to do is, is develop a new website that's in the works. Um, yeah. but you know, that's the downside of doing what we're doing there. You're, you're resource constrained at all points. And so you're really making trade-off decisions and, and you've got to go with the thing that is the highest impact, uh, best ROI kind of, and best IRR really, you know, take that time, time return component, uh, in, into the equation. But, um, but yeah, man, I don't know. It's uh, it's certainly ups and downs all the time, but it's it's extremely fun, extremely rewarding. Um, I'm glad to be in in fast growth mode again, yeah. but only doing it because it made sense to, because the market was back, because uh, because clients were demanding it, and ultimately consumers who pay all of the bills, right? Yeah. All the guests pay all the bills. They they were willing to pay again. Yeah. No, that's true. And that's kind of cool though, like, cause now you have these clients that you've been working with for, you know, whether it's been the whole time or either recently throughout the pandemic mm -hmm. and as they're growing, so are the, they're probably doing a lot of the quote unquote owner acquisition for you when it comes to, they get new properties and they're saying, Hey, this is working. We want to diversify this building instead of just being full leases. Let's give you, you know, a, a good portion or a percentage or whatever uh, of inventory. So that's kind of nice. Sometimes like as you're going to grow and you're searching for new units, sometimes they might just approach you guys, right? Like I'm assuming that happens. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, your, your, your best new client is your existing one mm -hmm. uh, or some version of that cliche. And so, um, you know, we work really hard to service our existing clients to, um, to communicate with them, to deliver, you know, based on their needs. And, and when we're not, you know, to, to tweak things and, and, and hope to ensure that we do that. But, um, but yeah, I, I think, whatever segment we're working in, um, I think we're always secondary mm -hmm. and I think we have to know our role yeah. essentially. And, and I actually think that that is liberating a little bit. Now, if it's, 
if you were doing pure vacation rental management with an owner that doesn't want to use it, they're all about returns. It's pretty clear what your role is. Maximize uh, rental income, minimize, you know, impact on the asset. So be a good steward, uh, you know, run a, run a tight operation, take good care of it. With us, it's, it's, it's not always clear uh, on the front end. You know, it, it might just be something they want to try for some other reason. They may want to, um, you know, do it as a pilot for something they're going to, they're, they're going to do on a much larger scale. Um, it may be that they don't have a good rental program at all. If we're outside of the apartment industry and they really need somebody to hyper-focus on um, just driving total revenue, you know, driving rev par essentially. So we really, it's, it kind of starts in the sales process. There's a discovery there too yeah. um, around how we're going to tailor what we do we don't really change a whole lot. It's more about like how aggressive are we in, in what we're going after? Um, you know, how tight is the guest screening or, yeah. or um, you know, how low do the men rates go? Because, because if you can widen that a little bit more then you can drive more revenue and so forth. Yeah, that makes sense. And then actually you just kind of brought up a, a question I had for operations. This has got to be a, not like a, a logistics like craziness, but it's got to be somewhat crazy if you're in this many markets uh, do you guys know, normally like contract cleaners or maintenance or do you have this all in house where you're able to operate on the ground level for turnovers and all the other stuff? I'm just kind of curious. On yeah. That. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, I, I think that's one of the things I have learned too in the last year is that that is really the thing that matters the most is the in unit guest experience. Um, and that is probably the hardest part of the business yeah. and still, um, and yeah, we do have, local personnel in those markets. It is a mix. Some markets, if we don't have great density, um, then we're using a third party cleaning yeah. company and then we're overseeing them. Um, and then doing, you know, other things like supply ordering and auditing the cleans and communicating with, uh, you know, being a liaison essentially to, yeah. to the onsite team. Um, in other markets, it's completely in-house and, you know, we would love to bring it completely in-house, uh, even though some of our, our cleaning contractors, like I'll, th- I'll plug one called Clean Suite, um, out of Austin, but in every market in Texas, probably up the East Coast now. I think they're in Florida, too, in the Miami market. Absolutely great cleaning contractor. Uh, Don Haga is the guy's name, in case anybody's listening and, and needs, needs some help. I've but been uh, hearing that name. But yeah, otherwise, yeah, otherwise, bringing it in-house has, has been a dream. Uh, honestly, you know, we're giving solid jobs. I mean, yes, they're, yeah. they're, you know, that tier of a job, but we're paying living wages. We're giving benefits to the local manager and, and it feels good. And by the way, it's improving things. We have consistency. Um, there's no turnover per se. Uh, <clears throat> the, the cleans are there every single time. The supply management is, is tight. Yeah. And, and if, and, and you know, you need that first, right? That's like the, the blank canvas for that excellent stay that is to come and all of the revenue management, all of the tech, every app you may have, none of it matters if the unit's not clean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, so we're working pretty hard on that front. No, that's really awesome. I love that. I think that's really cool. And I think it's, it, it, uh, I was talking to, uh, who was I talking to this morning? I think it was, oh yeah, it was Skyrun. So Skyrun Vacation Rentals talking about the, the global brand with the local touch and flair, right? So being able to have that local operator, uh, but then also having a, a, a brand name to it that's on, on, a, on a global scale, so to speak, um, for at least the U.S. And, and so I think that's really awesome uh, to have that ability to you know start growing that segment. I think that's going to be a big, big impact for you guys. Um, no, that's awesome. That's really cool. I Yeah, I just there's so many new things that go into because just being like, granted, we're both in the same industry, but having single family versus multifamily versus you know, lease agreements versus non-lease agreements and all this other stuff. It goes into a lot of 
uh, conversation. And uh, for you guys, you have like minimum contracts for how long you have the units with your, your clients or is that? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it, that's somewhat flexible based on the industry and also what goes into it uh, on the front end. I mean, there's, there's a deal we just signed where it had, software integrations we had to do on the front end and, mm. and that's got a two year term to it. Yeah. Um, I'd say, you know, some, somebody off the street, it's kind of the vacation rental default of, uh, Hey, give it an annual cycle, yeah. even just for practical reasons around seasonality. Other times we, we find a need to be a little more flexible around that. And that's, and that's okay with us too. Okay, cool. That's awesome. And, uh, how do you guys do furnishing? Do you, you do the furnishing, uh, as in like staging and design and all that stuff for you? Yeah, we do. Yeah. We, so we run a, a kind of a setup procurement function and launch function. Um, that's a combination of, you know, FTEs with us and then just set up contractors that like to fly around with their tools. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and, you know, we've done hundreds of units that way and, and it, it seems to work for us. So when the work comes in, you know, we, we get to work on that. That's cool. Awesome. Well, Mickey, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me today and kind of diving into what you guys do at Vector. And I think it's really, like I said, when I first saw it on the return on rentals, I was like, yeah, this is going to be a good episode. I got <laughs> I to get this guy on the show. So I'm really excited that you, you took the opportunity to chat with me today. It's been awesome. Well, thank you. It was really fun. My pleasure. So Slick Talkers, you know that I put everything in the show notes. Go ahead, check out if you're uh, you know, riding a, riding a bike, if you're swimming, if you're doing whatever with all your water head waterproof headphones check out the, the show notes and uh look forward to uh seeing you guys again next week oh go ahead sorry i, I think that was probably the last word but I, I did have a special offer if anybody wants to travel to any of our stuff um, so it's vectorstays.com and there's you know the book now thing and we've got a slick talk for 15 percent off that's the coupon code it's just on the checkout page slick talk and then if you happen to be although i'm sure you're not but if you happen to be a uh an apartment owner uh one month free if you mention the uh the podcast one one month management fee free awesome i love that i love that all right slick talkers now now you have a reason to get out of your house for if you haven't already uh if you're vaccinated or not vaccinated whatever go out there get traveled and uh, go to stay at the vector property using slick talk i love it i'm loving the plug that's gonna be really fun i'll push that make sure our our whole editing team knows to plug in that code on the show notes that'd be great um yeah, thank you so much again, Mickey. I talk to you guys soon, and uh, we'll see you all the slick talkers again next week. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. As I've been growing my business and finding new ways to add to my property portfolio, I have to think about how I can anticipate the homeowner's needs, just like I do for my guests. One of the things owners always ask is, how is my property going to be protected? What happens if something gets damaged or worse? These are valid questions and concerns, and I have an opportunity to address these concerns before they even get mentioned, all thanks to having Safely as part of my toolkit. I can ensure all stakeholders are covered during a guest stay and use this information as a way to grow my business by ensuring my property owners know they can trust that I have them covered. If you're a professional property manager, then you need to get safely in your tool belt so you can focus on operating and growing your business. Thanks for listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now, back to an episode.
What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast, then you are amazing, and thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill-out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast. Podcast.